hello everyone welcome to another episode of the new discourses podcast with me your host james Lindsay. i'm glad to be speaking to you today and i want to give you a i want to do a kind of unfortunately maybe you'll think this is tedious podcast but i really want to get the idea into your head i also want it to be kind of quick <laughs> we'll see what happens but um i stumbled across this uh article the other day my friend um Dr. Roller Gator, as he's called, and Colin Wright and I were discussing it. Um, is it time we ditched the word gardening? And this actually led me to want to make an explanation for you. <laughs> of course, now the word gardening, gardening is now a problem. It's now problematic. And so what I want to do is I want to use this as a jumping off place to explain actually what Paulo Freire did, what he actually gave to the world as far as to the Marxists of the world. And what he did was he gave people the ability to create the woke condition. And what the woke condition is, is that you have thousands, tens of thousands, maybe millions of Marxist activists who don't know a thing about Marxist theory. They don't know Marx. They don't know Marcusa. They don't know um, Lukács. They don't know Horkheimer. They don't know who these people are. They maybe don't, they don't know who Ferrari is. They don't know a word of what these people wrote. They don't have the slightest idea what they're doing Marxist activism. And the reason that they were able to do that is because of what Paulo Freire did to transform the way that Marxist critique is done. And, you know, if I had time and I was digging it up, I would find for you and play through my phone um, an episode of, 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 a, of a documentary, or sorry, not a documentary, an interview show from the 70s with Herbert Marcuse. And he's sitting down in this interview show. I don't remember if it's in German or English, but he's complaining that the movement that he kind of spawned, this critical movement, had become vigorously anti-intellectual. And this is by like 1976, uh, already vigorously anti-intellectual. Now, this is before Paulo Freire's work really busts onto the scene, so we can't give Freire all the credit. So we have to blame Marcuse somewhat as well. And Marcuse's idea of relentless negative thinking, a relentless critique of everything that exists to induce a great refusal... Uh, and to bring the um, critical theory to the masses uh, turned out to be a really stupid idea. And it, it turns out what they did was they, they, they Marcuse and Freire being the they here, they created mechanisms by which Marxist critique can be engaged in by lay people who don't know a damn thing. They don't know any Marxist theory. They don't know the objectives. All they know is how to tear down everything that exists. Ruthless criticism of all that exists, per Karl Marx, decentralized and put in the hands of idiots. And these idiots are able to get PhDs. So this is an important part of the story, that there are incentive structures for these idiots that have been built into the universities thanks to the long march through the institutions that was initiated largely by Herbert Marcuse in the United States. Ditching the word gardening because gardening is problematic is the possible is a possible foundation for guess what a PhD thesis you could write just as easily as you could get something published in whatever I don't see on the the this article the screenshot of it I don't see what it was published in but it could be in Teen Vogue it could be in Vice it could be in Vox you want to write for any of these shitty left wing journalistic outlets. It's as easy as pie. The formula is going to be given to you here. This is what I'm going to do in this episode. But if you want a PhD thesis, you also have that opportunity. Um, and that's exactly what's going on. This is the world that Paulo Freire and Herbert Marcuse created, the leftist activism. And this sort of decentralized critique, if you will. 
It's it's actually weirdly ignorant critique, and it needs to be ignorant. Um, you don't have to understand anything about Marxist theory to be an activist. You don't you don't have to have ever read a word of it. So when people say, James, do you really think these people are Marxists? They've never read Marx. They don't even know who he is. Yes, I do. Because they only have to have two things. That's really the fruit of this labor for Marcuse and Ferreri, but in particular Ferreri, you only have to have critical consciousness and to engage in what Ferreri refers to as critical denunciation. That's all you have to have. That's it. All you have to do is be able to orient your critique in a particular way and then to engage in it relentlessly through denunciation. You don't have to have a single positive vision for the world at all. In fact, both Marcuse and Ferreri agree that that's bad. In fact, it's right wing. You'll impose your vision on the world. So you only need two things to be one of these people. A woke critic is what these people are, which is a Marxist, even though they don't know that they're Marxists. A critical Marxist, technically. You only need two things to be one of these people. Number one, you need to have been programmed to see hidden dehumanizing structures or dehumanizing structural elements in everything. You have to have been brainwashed to see things in terms of dehumanizing structures. That is, you have to see the world through a lens of Marxist critique. When we look at Robert J. Lifton's Psychology of Thought Reform that he wrote about, this is what in the Chinese uh, communist context was called, and under Mao, was called learning to see from the people's standpoint. This is what Paulo Freire calls the pedagogy of the oppressed. You're learning to see the world as though it is composed of structural elements that dehumanize certain groups or certain people. And so you, the first thing you have to do is be brainwashed or programmed to see the world that way. And the second thing you have to have is to know how to engage in a so-called critique of those things. In other words, you know, have, have to know how to denounce those things from a position of critical consciousness, which Paulo Freire says automatically announces the possibility of a new and different world. This is where Herbert Marcuse says in the Essay on Liberation that, in fact, negative thinking has a positive element to it because it criticizes the existing society so that the ideal society contained within it can come free. So the incentive structure part of this is extremely important. All you have to do to create a mass of decentralized critique that will tear apart any society is create an incentive structure where you can make and reward tens of thousands of these people. And then in a generation and a half or two generations, you can destroy any civilization you want. That's all you have to do. All you have to do, if you want to destroy a church, a religion, a society, a country, uh, entire civilization, Western civilization comprising many countries stretching across many centuries, all you have to do is generate a generation or two of people, tens of thousands of them, who know how to do this and then create reward systems or incentive structures that incentivize them to do that, say like getting a PhD in this kind of critique. All you have to know how to do is complain in a particular way by seeing so-called structural power that is oppressive and dehumanizing and everything and then complaining about it in that specific way. All you need is an incentive structure all you need is an incentive structure that creates lots of these people, PhDs, tenure-track job positions, book deals, journalist publication jobs, opinion writers. All you need is an incentive structure that rewards these people. And eventually it'll trickle down to where that's what cool people do. 
People who aren't criticizing in the public society are people who are willfully ignorant and willfully blind or that are complicit in upholding these systems. And you can create an army of decentralized critics. And what does critique do? We did a recent, recently did a podcast on that here in the New Discourses podcast and said that what critique does is it's a process of reframing the meaning of words so that you complain about a thing so that you understand the word in terms of structural power. In other words, you shift it onto this leftist frame. But I'm not exaggerating at all. Within two generations or three generations at the most, you can destroy any civilization you want simply by creating a, a structural reward system for creating people who do this. And again, the two pieces are, one, the ability to see hidden dehumanizing structural elements in anything, and two, the capacity to, to denounce those structures in the right way. And now, Marcuse started that ball rolling for sure, but Paulo Ferreri is the one who is to be credited with unlocking the door for how to do it. And this is what Paul, I've said this again and again. Um, this is what Paulo Ferreri brought to the world was that he brought a Marxist theory of what it means to be a knower or a Marxist theory of knowing or a Marxist theory of knowledge, which transposes onto a Marxification of education, which I've been talking about a lot. I'm releasing a book titled The Marxification of Education on this issue soon. But what Ferreri did was unlock the door by making everything be about who gets to be considered a knower in any given domain of thought, okay? Who gets to be considered knowledgeable in some domain of thought and who doesn't? So what Paulo Ferreri did was he said basically that the process of education as we believe that it, it operates in the existing society is a process of reproduction of the existing society. People are taught to participate and succeed in the existing society, to value the existing society, not to rebel against it, not to throw it away, not to challenge it, not to destroy it. And thus, what they do is they define what it means to be educated and define people who are educated as knowledgeable or experts according to whether or not they have the credentials assigned by the people who want to uphold the existing society. So knowledge becomes, knowing becomes, being educated becomes a status of bourgeois property holding. You become a property holder, a private property holder, and the private property is this kind of abstract thing called knowledge, being knowledgeable, being considered a knower. This is why there's so much emphasis in all of this kind of woke literature on other ways of knowing, decentering certain knowers, centering new other knowledges. Knowledge is in the plural. We've explored this, you know, my work has explored this for four or five years, and it hasn't been totally clear yet until I realized what Paulo Freire created. He created a Marxist theory of knowing and of knowledge. Other ways of knowing, alternative knowledges, etc., are all central to that. So the recipe is very simple. It's very, very simple. The people who consider themselves to be experts in whatever are actually not experts in that thing, but they are self-appointed gatekeepers of that domain of thought. That's what Paulo Freire is saying. They are self-appointed gatekeepers of that domain of thought because they are the self-appointed deciders of what constitutes legitimate knowledge in that domain and what does not. So they include their ways of knowing and exclude other ways of knowing. They include what they consider knowledge and they exclude what other people consider knowledge. They consider education the process of um, bringing people into the correct forms of knowing and knowledges and thus the uneducated have the incorrect forms of knowing and knowledges. So the other people who have different ways of knowing about whatever that domain of thought happens to be and who have different ways, uh, different knowledges about that domain of thought are excluded. 
which is a form of oppression. They are moved to the margins of that domain of thought. They are marginalized. The sixth chapter of Politics of Education is literally about how the process of bringing education into a society pushes people who were formerly at the center of their society to the edges of their society, to the margins. It marginalizes them as an act of colonial violence. So that's why there's decolonization of knowledge or decolonization of the curriculum because they have to decolonize so that they can bring the indigenous or the outside, excluded, marginalized ways of knowing back to the center. They're only pushed out of the center because they've been colonized. They've been colonized by official ways of knowing. So let's look at this in terms of gardening. Why we might have to... I didn't read the article about why we have to ditch the term gardening. It doesn't even matter what these people are writing. It's all just words spun around this concept. And what I'm going to do is actually go through a few different domains of thought and give you this picture. So the recipe is very, very simple. People who call themselves gardeners are actually self-appointed gatekeepers of gardening knowledge. And that gardening knowledge that they deem official and correct excludes other ways of knowing about gardening and thus excludes other ways of gardening and the people who engage in other ways of knowing about gardening and other gardening uh, systems of, of gardening or programs of gardening or thinking about gardening. And so people who garden in different ways are excluded and that forms a system of oppression that excludes those people who all you have to do is latch this on to hang it. Think of it like a clothes hanger. All you have to do is hang it on to any one of these so-called beams of structural oppression. And now you're off to the races. Gardening is, is racist because it, the knowledges in it don't include black ways of gardening knowledge or sorry. Gardening is homophobic because it doesn't include queer ways of gardening, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We don't have trans plants. And so <laughs> transplant. And you could, you could play in that pun. I'm not, I, I was making a joke, but you really could play in that pun all day long. As soon as I say it, I realize it. So it's transphobic because we don't have transplants and we don't have trans ways of gardening. Um, so what you create is a system of oppression with regard to what it means to know how to garden and thus to be a gardener. And so gardener is no longer a designation that means anything except that it is a gate kept status symbol for the people who consider themselves gardeners and the things that they know are the tools that they use to exclude other ways of gardening, other ways of thinking about gardening and other people who might garden differently from what's called gardening. And so we have to critique that term gardening. We might have to get rid of the term gardening because it may have some racist history or sexist history or who the hell knows what history. And so ultimately what you have to do to denounce and denounce it is you denounce how it creates this dehumanization through this tortured argument that is of the exact same form every single time. And then you say, we're going to fix that by let the, the announcing of a new possibility, the denouncing in order to announce from a critical perspective, you denounce it for creating a marginalizing dehumanizing structure. And then you announce a new way of being by saying, so we're going to change that. In fact, it needs to change. We demand that it changes by letting in other ways of knowing about gardening and thus the people who garden in other ways. And this literally can be repeated any way you want in any domain you want. Take out gardening, put in anything else you want, and you have it. We all know that being outside, outdoorsmanship is apparently white. It's too white. Everybody's, we all know this. What I say is we all know that the, I almost swore, critical race theory decentralized critiquers say this, that they've written articles being outside, going jogging. It doesn't matter what it is. So we'll say outdoorsmanship. 
but will include all, all outdoor activities. This is apparently racist. It's probably anti-gay, and it's certainly patriarchal in one way or another. All you have to do is pick. The only creative part is figuring out how to create the hanger to hang it onto whichever structure of power. Systemic racism, systemic patriarchy, systemic homophobia, systemic transphobia, systemic classism, systemic ableism, whichever. You just pick one of those or more than one of those if you want to be intersectional. Figure how, out how to manufacture the clothes hanger, and they give you a PhD for this bullshit. So, there are people who consider themselves outdoorsmen, or outdoors people, or whatever, and they actually don't know anything about being outdoors. They are actually self-appointed gatekeepers of outdoors-relevant knowledge. And that excludes other ways of knowing about what it means to be outdoors. And it creates a hegemonic system of outdoorsmanship that excludes certain people and other ways of knowing about what it is to be outside, whether it's camping, whether it's running, whether it's jogging, whatever, whatever it is, fishing, doesn't matter. So other people with other ways of knowing about being outside are excluded. And then what this does is it creates actually a hegemonic pattern where most of the people doing it are in a particular identity group or whatever else. And thus people who aren't in that identity group feel like it's not for them. And so there's a system of exclusion, a system of oppressive power that keeps them out of it. So it needs to be critiqued. And in the end, this needs to be changed by letting in other ways of knowing about outdoorsmanship or outdoor activities and letting other people participate in them on their own terms in ways by excluding, in fact, the people who are already doing it, where they're going to be allowed to feel comfortable under the definition of inclusion, which means that they don't run into anything that would bother them according to their belief that everything is made out of dehumanizing structural power. By the way, this is literally the whole woke recipe. This is it. And again, if you, all you have to do is give people jobs or advanced degrees and tenure track positions and book deals for being able to apply this to a new concept or in a new domain, and you've got the incentive structure that will destroy society. And critique is just the process of redefining the words that are relevant to be used so that they are understood in terms of those power dynamics. Let's do another one. It doesn't matter what it is. Librarianship. Running a library. Just pulled this out of the air because I looked at my bookshelf and see a bunch of books. I didn't even plan ahead which ones I'm going to pick. Didn't think it through ahead. We're winging it as we go. There are people who consider themselves librarians. But they, in fact, are self-appointed gatekeepers of library knowledge, of library science. They've created the field of library science to justify their own position as librarians and to exclude other people from being librarians. They have all of this knowledge that's like a barrier to entry into becoming a librarian, and they use that to exclude other ways of knowing about library organization and library management. Other ways of thinking about what the job of a librarian is. Perhaps maybe they think that a librarian's job is not to be an activist, and you have to let in other ways of being a librarian. Because otherwise it's a structure of power. It is a, uh, a systemic power dynamic that excludes certain people from being librarians, while allowing certain credentialed people who have bought into the bourgeois system, the bourgeois values of librarianship, library science, or whatever the hell it's called, allows them to be librarians, but not other people with different thoughts about how to be librarians. Like maybe organizing books completely differently, or not organizing them, or having them all in piles on the floor, or maybe using library time to be activists, or that libraries are actually just public spaces where you bring in drag queens, or something like this. So library science as a field of knowledge excludes people who think differently about librarianship 
about library science. And that needs to change by letting in other ways of knowing about libraries, other knowledges about librarian activities, including activism. And we have to bring in the people who think differently about how libraries should be organized and put into service. It's exactly the same thing. That's literally an entire domain within library science now. In fact, it's taken over the American Library Association. So as long as we're talking about big associations, let's try another one. Let's go for medicine. Because what could go wrong if, say, they polluted medicine with other ways of knowing? What could possibly go wrong? I've done podcasts on medical lysenkoism. I go around the country advising young people who are thinking about going into law school to major or prepare for medical malpractice law for a variety of reasons that don't actually need to be stated. Let's just do it again. People who consider themselves medical professionals or medical experts or doctors or nurses or radiologists or whatever, doesn't matter, anesthesiologists, why not? Why not? Let's just use the access to our consciousness where we might die if it goes wrong even a little bit. Let's just, whatever. People who consider themselves medical professionals in any domain of medicine are actually not medical professionals at all. They are self-appointed gatekeepers of medical knowledge. That excludes other ways of knowing about medicine, about health. Thus, it excludes other ways of doing medicine, of practicing medicine, of being a doctor. And in fact, maybe other medical systems entirely, like ones that are based off of creating equitable outcomes instead of, say, a principle of doing no harm. And so people who have different thoughts about how to practice medicine, whether that's maybe Chinese medicine, whether that's indigenous medicine, whether that's uh, random you know, snake oil guy that's made up some system and put it on the internet, whether, but of course it wouldn't be that. What it's definitely going to be is people who are using it in an activist sense to create equity. It's going to be inclusive medicine in some sense or another. Those people are excluded. Maybe in this, all you do is figure out how to put this on a hanger and connect it to racism, sexism, or whatever. doesn't matter. Racism in particular is basically the New England Journal of Medicine now. They're saying that medicine is intrinsically racist and race has everything to do with health outcomes. So we have to rethink medical knowledge entirely to account for those and to be more equitable. And this is literally the leading medical journals in the world are writing this. By the way, from what I understand, Boston Medical Journal is the only one that's not all the way down this road among the, the biggest ones. The Lancet, Cell, New England Journal of Medicine, especially all the way down this road, all the way in. They figured out how to build the hangar, or some activist doctors did, and this is all they write about, and this is all that gets published because, well, you have to just kind of conform to this thing or you're a racist. The extortion racket works. So anyway, let's just start again. People who consider themselves medical professionals are actually not medical professionals. They are self-appointed gatekeepers of medical knowledge uh, that excludes other ways of knowing about medicine and other medical knowledges, thus ways of practicing medicine for other purposes, and thus the people who might practice medicine in other ways, which creates an anti-minority system of oppression. And there's where you find your hanger and you hang it. Maybe it's anti, maybe it's racist, anti-black, maybe it's sexist, anti-woman, maybe it's homophobic or transphobic. Medicine's definitely transphobic because it's not just transforming every kid that has like a sneeze or something. Um, and all that needs to change in order to overcome the system of oppression by letting in other ways of knowing and the people who carry them with regard to medicine, who are largely going to be activists, because they're the only ones who have the authentic knowledge. Let's try one more field. I said I would do five, so 
Let's do one more. Physics. Physics. Surely to goodness, physics couldn't get physics. I mean, I should do math because I'm math, but they're similar. The hardest of the hard sciences. Math is, of course, just absolutely rigorous proofs. What I'm about to say applies to both, but we'll do physics. You see, the thing is that people who consider themselves physicists are not actually knowledgeable about physics. They're gatekeepers of physics knowledge. Okay? They're self-appointed gatekeepers of what constitutes valid knowledge in the field of physics. And as self-appointed gatekeepers, they get to decide which ways of knowing about physics are valid and which ways of knowing about physics are invalid. And they get to exclude invalid ways according to their standards, their self-serving standards. They get to exclude other ways of knowing about physics and the people who accept those other ways of knowing about physics. They get to exclude them from being physicists. Take this insufferable Chandra Prescott Weinstein woman who writes these articles about white empiricism in physics and says that physics is built out of a white framework that allows white people to get away and this creates a system of racism in physics. Take any given physics department at any major university right now and I guarantee you that they are embroiled in some kind of an accusation of either racism or sexism, especially sexism, that uh, women have a harder time in physics, that there's systemic forces of patriarchy and misogyny against women in physics and in science, and so they have to do all this stuff bending over backwards to include more women in professional conferences and departments and tenure uh, positions, etc. I guarantee you, pick. I don't care which one it is, pick any physics department at any major university in the United States, and I guarantee you that that debate is happening. Why? Because the gatekeeping claim to physics knowledge actually creates a system of oppression against certain people like women or racial or sexual minorities. And that needs to change by letting in other ways of knowing about physics, other physics, other physicists, to be brought in to change the system from within. I'm telling you, it works every single time. So when you have a Marxist theory of knowledge, what, which is what Paulo Freire created, of what it means to be considered a knower, that being a knowledgeable person in any domain of thought, we could do theology. Do you want to do theology? Because that's what's happening in the seminaries right now. That we have to bring in critical race theory as an analytical tool, or we have to bring in uh, feminism as an analytical tool to understand, say, sex abuse scandals, or we have to bring in whatever it happens to be to understand the perspective of whoever or whatever, or to, in fact, maybe we should consider what biblical exegesis looks like. It's happening in theology. You want to do it in theology? It doesn't matter. What Paulo Freire created, it doesn't matter. What Paulo Freire created is the ability to infect any domain of knowledge, academic, theological, uh, or just kind of, I don't even know what to call it, like a club, like, like a hobby, like gardening or jogging or outdoorsmanship or surfing. These are just examples that I've seen in the past few weeks, just come across my radar. Being a tomboy, so it can be even a state of being, long history of racism and being a tomboy. Of course, what that does is it tells white girls that they can't be tomboys, that they have to transition, and that gets coupled with, the, you know, the, it turns out that there's racism in being non-binary. If you're a white girl, it upholds the fact that, that the whole sexist program of the gender binary was created by white people for white people. And so you can't be non-binary either. You're going to have to transition. Sorry, girls, you're going to have to cut off your boobs and ruin your your, your downstairs parts and take all kinds of uh, wonderful drugs that are going to sterilize you and make sure you never grow up uh, sexually fulfilled or able to have children. Um, and it might kill you. But yeah, that's what you have to do so you're not racist. Um, it doesn't matter Every single domain of thought can be infected by this exact pathway. 
by this exact same pathway. It's very simple. And this is what Paulo Freire did. This is how he decentralized critique and put it in the hands of anti-intellectual idiots. And then all it took was the university and journalism systems, which were put on steroids by the internet, in particular the journalistic side, where people needed constant content, constant clicks, and this kind of shocking accusation that everything you knew was sexist or racist or whatever that you thought was normal was very salacious and very popular on the you know internet 10, 15 years ago. These kinds of articles went gangbusters, completely took over the business models of left-leaning outlets like Salon and Vox and, and Vice, which was... Vice was not started woke. It was definitely not started woke and took them over completely because it makes a lot made, made, made in the past tense, a lot of money, but it can be applied into anything. And once you create the incentive structure, you have created the pathway to destroying a civilization, which is what we're living through right now. Turns out if we shut off that incentive structure, we very well may be able to save civilization without having to do a whole lot else. Um, so it doesn't matter whether it's an academic field, whether it's a hobby, whether it's just any body of knowledge whatsoever. All you have to do is be groomed into believing that a body of knowledge, an existing body of knowledge with uh, people who are considered experts in that body of knowledge, all you have to do is be groomed into believing that that is something that upholds dehumanizing structures, teach people to see the so-called structural elements, which are always point in the Marxist direction, in favor of the Marxist direction when called out, teach them to see that in anything and everything, and then reward people for creating the exact kind of complaint when they go to denounce those dehumanizing structures from a position of critical consciousness that they've been brainwashed into believing is the true nature of reality. This is the Frarian education method in a nutshell. This is what it has brought about. And this is why the ruthless critique of all that exists, or in the words of Mephistopheles, as Goethe put them uh, in his rendition of Faust, uh, everything that exists deserves to perish. Um, that was the inspiration for Marx, actually, is Mephistopheles and, and Goethe's version of Faust. So anyway, how does this work then in practice? Say, you know, within a within a thing like rock climbing or fishing or gardening, some idiot just writes an article about it or some idiot just writes a paper about it. I still am very proud of the fact that one of the fake papers I had wanted to write, if we kept doing the Grievance Studies Affair, I still laugh to this day about the idea of wanting to write something in the food sciences or food production, food and food ways is actually what they call it, um, about the gentrification of cornbread. All you have to do is figure out how to take the idea that there's a body of knowledge of what constitutes legitimate cornbread making and then hang it onto a hanger of somehow that it creates systemic racism that excludes or actually marginalizes. What I was going to argue is that it marginalizes black ways of producing cornbread and thus appropriates cornbread to white people and Rather than using food to heal a racial divide, it actually uses food through the gentrification of cornbread by adding bougie ingredients to it or making it into pumpkin spice. Actually alienates people across racial lines. It alienates black people from a, a, a black food, if you will, which is, I think, also just nonsense. I don't think cornbread was, is a racial food whatsoever. but um, Or if it is, it's probably like freaking Native American and Latin um, South American, primarily Mexican, uh, or pre-Mexican, or whatever, Incan, Mayan, whatever we got to say. I don't even know how to do these things correctly. You know who the hell I'm talking about. And that's the point. Anyway, the point was food and food ways, same recipe. Haha, <laughs> recipe, food and food ways, funny, haha. <laughs> uh, it turns out it always works. So nothing, nothing, nothing is protected. Nothing is safe. Nothing is sacred. 
But how do you take on a field like physics or math and have this actually stick? How do you get into an academic field that has like medicine that should have lots of rigor and defenses against this? This is an important question, and I've laid out the answer before, but I'm going to summarize it again because the incentive structures part is huge, obviously, but you have to figure out how to create the incentive structure, and here's how they do it in academia. First of all, they create all these fucking bogus, oops, I swore, all they do, they create all these bogus, um, you know, endowed chairs, awards for excellence or whatever, and, and they give these to people who do this crap. So there's all of the kind of fake professional credentialism crap. They create these departments, they give these degrees, they give professorships, tenure jobs, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. But the way this actually starts is that the, say in mathematics, is that they go after the culture in mathematics departments or in physics. I actually kind of referenced that. They go after the, the, the culture in mathematics or physics departments and at mathematics and physics conferences. And they say, this is how it's racist. This is how it's sexist. This is how it's homophobic. This is how it's transphobic to be a person of minority status who's critically consciously awakened in the field of blah, 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 physics, math, whatever. So what you do is you go after the sociology around the practice of the academic discipline like math. Then after you go after the, the sociology, you start digging into the history of the field and you discover, oh my gosh, it was primarily men all the way back. And if you go back far enough, you can find some man who probably was very prominent who said that women can't do it or it's, it's only the white intellect is sufficient to do math. You know, you can find somebody who said something horrible. And then you say the anthropology of this field has indicated that it's always been this way. So it is this way. The sociology is corrupt and the anthropology shows that it's always been this way by being very selective in how you do this and ignoring the realities of how things happen right now, like that there's infinite scholarships for women and minorities, etc., to bring them into these fields uh, on the back of this complaining. And what you do is you say, look how it's, it's, it is this way. That's the sociology. It's always been this way. That's the anthropology. And you say, well, that's a system, a self-perpetuating system of injustice. Mm, now you've got your critical theory hat on about the, uh, about the, 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 the community of people who do and have the broadly speaking community. They're, they're not a unified community, but the group of people who say are mathematicians or physicists, and then extending that back through history. And you say, look, there's a paradigm of oppression and that's how this community has always been characterized. And we need to change that. Then you have the next level of discoveries that you're going to discover that it was actually, it's in the pedagogy itself. It's in how we teach the subject. The, the reason there's so much sexism pervading mathematics and mathematics, uh, uh, sorry, and physics or these hard sciences is because these cultures are produced by the educational process. And now you're in a straight Frarian um, entry program into what's going on. So now you're going after the how it, you go from how the sociology is to the anthropology to the pedagogy to the educational theory of how it's taught and how it's taught reproduces the system of oppression. Now we're in straight Freire territory and you're off to the friggin' races. And then eventually what you're going to do is you're going to conclude, well, what is it that's being taught is mathematics or physics or whatever. So there must be something intrinsically wrong with how that discipline was organized because it wasn't organized specifically to be liberating. And then you have subverted and transformed. In fact, you've turned Lysenkoist, whichever uh, discipline you want to go after. Physics, math, those are no, those aren't, aren't aren't protected. Chemistry, biology, medicine, not protected. Engineering, not safe. Everything. Theology, doesn't matter how faithful you are, how much you believe in your your God, and that it's perfectly and un, perfect and unchanging and eternal, etc. 
they can still subvert exactly this way. And this is exactly the pattern that plays out. They go after the sociology, then they say there's a long history of it, then they say the way that it's taught, so that has to be transformed, then they take hold of the educational institutions, then they're producing activists that are going to go into the fields, and eventually they're going to conclude that the field itself is a thing, and they're going to seize production of knowledge within it. They're going to then transform the whole thing, invert it to their purposes, and the new knowledge that's legitimate is the inclusive, equitable, whatever, diverse, whatever the word is, de, uh, decolonized knowledge that serves as a tool for them to be gatekeepers. So maybe we should do this reading one more time. Uh, maybe we should do it just one more time, but flip the script a little bit. You see, people who consider themselves Marxists, are actually self-appointed gatekeepers of the knowledge of the various disciplines that they've taken over that exclude legitimate ways of knowing about whatever field it happens to be. Thus, other ways of approaching that field, in particular legitimate ways of doing that field, thus the people who do these things legitimately so that they can maintain their own power and privilege over other people. While this creates this creates a, a pervasive system of Lysenkoism, where you now have the discipline, the science, the field, whatever it is, subverted to Marxist ideological and programming, brain, that is brainwashing goals, and in reality, stepping away. Their view is, and that never needs to change because we're the only true conscious uh, uh, creators of history who are taking it to its intended purposed end, which is a perfect socialist communist uh, program where there's a stateless, classless society that's perfectly racially, sexually, etc. just, and that will be a, a utopia. But in reality, what it means is that we need to make sure this changes. We make sure anywhere that you have the system of gatekeeping, because as you just heard, the Iron Law of Woke Projection never misses. Why doesn't it miss? Why didn't it miss in this case? Because when they tell you that they think that the system is rigged the way that they do in their critique, that there's a system of power, etc., what they're telling you is how they actually think the world works, which means they're telling you that when they seize or steal power, that's exactly how they're going to make the world work, because that's how they think the world actually does work. And then when it doesn't work, they'll say, well, that's because we internalized the logic of oppression, and that's how that's never actually their fault. It's always somebody else's fault. And so in reality, what we have to do is exclude these people from the positions of power that they're going to abuse in this way in every discipline. Theology, kick them out of your seminaries, kick them out of your churches, kick them out of positions of authority in your conventions. Doesn't matter. Science, get them out of the AMS, get them out of the American Physical Union, get them out of everything. Medicine, oh my freaking God, get rid of these people, get rid of them now and get rigorous or we are going to have the deaths of tens of millions of people as a result of what harms they create. Engineering, holy shit. Planes dropping out of the sky, bridges falling apart, who knows. Public policy, <laughs> look how that's going. Anybody want some more Democrat rule right now with the way that they're doing things? And on and on it goes, all the way down to gardening. All the way down to gardening, where if you garden, you enjoy gardening, it's a personal thing for you, and you're the wrong kind of person, and they don't want you to have a garden, they'll come dig it up at night and destroy it, or whatever else, because they have to make sure you can't be food, food sufficient, or whatever else happens to be the case. You have to be excluded from that, you have to be miserable just like they're miserable. These people must be stopped, but you also have to understand how they do what they do, and this is how they do what they do. 
So if this was tedious, I'm sorry, but you have to understand. It's the same thing over and over and over again. It's very easy to comprehend. It's very easy to spot when you see it happening. And if you understand it and can spot it, it's actually not hard to stop. It just takes having the courage to say no and then to weather the fact that they're going to throw every name in the book at you, every abuse in the book at you. And you have to stand firm and ideally you're going to have made community around yourself that understands this problem as well and you're going to stand firm together so that their accusations fall on deaf ears and all they can do is leave with their tail tucked between their legs because that's what they deserve. <laughs>